Blog Talk Radio. in this week's live broadcast of The Way of Healing. My name is Susan Brozak, and I'm a licensed clinical Christian psychotherapist and founder of Healing Word Psychotherapy Services, my private practice. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Tonight we're going to be looking at a two-part series called Changing Your Mind, How Understanding and Renewing Your Mind Can Transform Your Life. And tonight for part one, uh, we're going to specifically be diving into a compromised mind versus a healthy mind, spiritual warfare and the power of thoughts and words. So there will be a lot to unpack this broadcast and also uh, next month's broadcast. And I'm just going to give you a brief outline right now of some of the major topics that we'll be covering. Um, and then as we move forward, I'll break each one of these down and we'll explore what the Word of God has to say about each. So as we're talking about the power of thoughts and words and also spiritual warfare, um, we'll be looking at the words that we speak. Words are powerful. Words are also exposed thoughts. So, in other words, what you're thinking when you speak it out, your, uh, the word that you speak is an expression of a thought that you're thinking. Um, we'll look at the dangers of gossip and negative words, especially within the church environment and the damage that that can do and the door that that can open to the enemy. And then we'll also give some examples to you about the impact of the words we speak, whether for ill or for good. Um, we're also going to be looking uh, at curses versus blessings, and that will be a topic that we're going to look at tonight. And just real quick to give you a definition of what these two words mean. So to curse means to scoop out and also means to put someone or something into the sphere of destructive power. That is from the original language of the Bible. So when I look back at what words mean, I don't uh, use the Webster's Dictionary, for example. I don't do that. I go to the original Hebrew for the Old Testament and the original Greek for the New Testament simply because it's much more accurate. Um, The definitions are richer. uh, They have lots of facets to them that we're not going to get from our typical English translations or English paraphrases. And there's nothing wrong with reading an English Bible. Please don't misunderstand. But in terms of word study, if you really want to go deep on a particular word or concept, um, I have found it very valuable for the last 20-plus years to look at the original languages. Um, And you can actually do that via 
several different apps for your phone. The one that I use is Blue Letter Bible. Um, it has an interlinear and concordance right with it. Um, and so there's just a wealth of information that's just a free download. But so when we talk about the biblical languages, we're talking about Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New. So to curse, again, means to scoop out and also to put someone or something into the sphere of destructive power. To bless, on the other hand, means to bend the knee and also means to speak a good word. And when we hear the word eulogy, uh, think of a funeral, and you may have been asked at some point in your life to give a eulogy at a funeral, um, that comes from the Greek word eu, which is eu, stands for good, and logos, which is the Greek word for word. So when you're giving a eulogy, you are speaking a good word about that person or, or a situation, whatnot. So that is all wrapped around the concept of blessing someone or something. So as you can kind of see and get an idea of how much you can learn from digging deep into the original languages of scripture, um, it really is worth it, the time investment and the energy investment to do that. Um, also, underneath the broad category of curses and blessings, we'll be talking about something uh, that some people um, delineate as generational curses, also known as iniquity bents in a family bloodline. So this is something that is a bit controversial, but the fact of the matter is there are uh, people that can be born with a hereditary medical de disease, for example. Um, we know of, of diseases that run down through family lines specifically. The same, this, a similar concept can exist in terms of spiritual um, and uh, mental health type of issues as you go down through a family bloodline. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to manifest. Um, sometimes they lay dormant, um, but at times there will be situations where you know, a grandfather or a father had an issue that now a child is struggling with family line and you see, wow, this has been coming down through the generations. And that's one way where the enemy can get a toehold, a foothold, and then a stronghold in a family line is if that particular iniquity or sin bent is not uh, repented of, well, first of all, acknowledged, but then repented of and turned around for the good. So we'll, we'll go into all of that as, as we go forward with this topic. Um, also, uh, in regards to curses and blessings, we will talk about praying blessings from God's word and how we can each do that in our own individual prayer time and how we can do that for ourselves or over our children and so forth. Another topic that's going to fall under this broad category of changing your mind is something called negative expectations. And I think we will probably get to this one next week, um, just as I have uh, planned out how these teachings are going to progress. Um, this one is quite lengthy to explain. So uh, next, uh, not next week, next month, I apologize, we'll be looking at negative expectations. Basically, I'll define what that is. I'll give scriptural basis for it um, and how it is linked to faith and judgment and the laws of sowing and reaping, the laws of multiplica the multiplication, and so, far, so forth. 
So that's something that we will take a look at in next month's broadcast. There's a lot of interesting and also powerful um, concepts that, that I believe is um, very much to our benefit to have an understanding of um, because a lot of times if you expect the worst case scenario, you can enter into what's known as a self-fulfilling prophecy and actually act in such a way as to bring the worst case scenario upon yourself. <laughs> it is complicated. There's some psychology involved. Um, but um, as always with this program, The Way of Healing, it is rooted and based on the Word of God. Okay, another concept that we'll be unpacking um, is the concept of inner vows. We'll talk about what they are. I'll read a passage of scripture for you. Um, and one verse from the passage is number 30, verse 2. And it says, if a man makes a vow to the Lord, he shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So the Lord takes vows very seriously. And I'll explain what I mean by vows. I know most of us think of probably wedding vows with that. But there can be both healthy and unhealthy vows. And unhealthy vows are the ones that we will be focusing in on because through the blood of Jesus and his finished work on the cross, we have the ability to break off um, those unhealthy, to break unhealthy vows that we have made at one point or another in our lives. So we'll also talk about how inner vows develop. Um, a lot of this process can be subconscious, um, but it will bear fruit. And the fruit is how we know whether or not we have made a vow. So we will get into that um, in depth. Um, also, we'll give practical examples of how curses and negative expectations and intervals work together in our everyday lives. And I know I'm throwing a lot of terms at you right now, but this is such an important topic that I've wanted to touch on for some time now on this broadcast that I felt that without explaining each concept and how they fit together, I'm doing a disservice by not presenting you with the information, and then you obviously can choose and decide what you would like to do with it, if anything. But what I'm going to be sharing with you are ways that you can break free from strongholds, from addictions, from things that have held you back, from living the abundant life that Christ died to give you. Um, so understanding and grasping and putting into practice these concepts truly can be transformational in your lives. Um, and so it, the Lord just put it so strongly on my heart to do this two-part series um, and, and to do it in such a way that there would be depth to it and practical application to it. Okay, uh, moving on to a couple more topics that fall under this general umbrella of um, looking at changing your mind is a compromised mind versus a healthy mind. So we'll talk about ways uh, in which the mind is compromised. Um, we'll talk about unwanted spiritual baggage, and I'll define how that can become an issue for people. And then we'll talk about something called soul ties, um, what they are and how they can affect us. I will give biblical basis for this topic. Uh, it will not go off into um, errant teaching, so help me God, because there is a biblical basis for this topic, but I'm also aware 
that it can be taken too far. So we're going to stick with what the Word of God says about it. Um, we'll talk about healthy or godly soul ties and give examples of that. And we'll also give examples of unhealthy and ungodly soul ties. And then also we will talk about the importance of speaking out faith in bringing health to the mind. So that is a general overview of what we'll be doing in these next two broadcasts, tonight's and also November's broadcast. So I'd like to start this evening with more of an in-depth explanation of blessings and curses and the power of the words that we speak. So within our words, there is potential for good or ill, life or death, refreshing or deflation. And I'm fairly certain that most of us have heard uh, of Proverbs 18:21, And I'm just going to quote the King James Version. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Everything in the Bible is very deliberately placed and specific and ordered for a reason. I've often heard this verse quoted as life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's actually not the original verse. It's death and life in that order. Death is listed first. And so we know that our God is intentional about how he orders things. So there's a reason that he put death and life versus life and death. And I'm not saying, and I'm not you know, supposing in any way or um, presuming that I know why it's ordered that way. But I, in my own, my opinion only, oftentimes words are used to hurt and to harm. And I think even more so than used to bring life and encouragement and exhortation. So, um because there can be such harm in our words, part of me wonders if that is why Proverbs 18.21 is ordered in that the way that it is, which is death and life are in the power of the tongue. We've all heard this phrase, um, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me. That is very false. <laughs> Um, words can hurt a lot more than a broken bone because we have memory surrounding being called a name or, or being insulted or being hurt by somebody's words. That memory can have trauma wrapped around it. That memory can have a visual reminder wrapped around it. So we can get past a broken bone and probably don't give it a whole lot of thought 30 years later but we can probably remember insults that happened when we were in grade school, for example. So this is kind of what I'm looking at when we're, we're talking about um, the, you know, the power of our words and how there is power to bless, to curse, to harm, to build up. All of these things can be done by the tongue. And there, uh, another scripture verse talks about the tongue being a small member but having the power um, to steer a large ship, uh, being a rudder of a large ship, so to speak. So you've seen large ships, and it's, it's really steered by a very small rudder. So we can wreak havoc if we're not careful with our words. Um, I've heard a phrase that is common, loose lips sink ships. 
and that also will go to the piece that um, I'll present to you regarding gossip um, as we move forward. Some other verses I would like to share um, before we get into um, the meanings again about blessing and cursing. I've got, let's see, four more passages of scriptures to share. Uh, passage of scripture, Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. James 3, 9 to 10, says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be so. So this is really emphasizing how we can really enter into doublespeak and and speak out of both sides of our mouth. Very detrimental, very unhealthy, and obviously not something that the Lord would have us do in his process in our lives of sanctification. Uh, Matthew 15 17 to 20 says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So again, he's comparing and contrasting here um, about the words that come out of our mouth, uh, and in this case versus what foods we choose to eat. And he's saying it's much more to our detriment um, in regards to what we speak about um, and how that can affect our lives. Colossians 4, verse 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So just based on those scriptures and also the one I read to you initially, Proverbs 18.21, let's get into this concept of to bless and to curse a bit more here. So as I said um, when I initially talked about blessing and cursing, the meaning in the original biblical text for blessing is to endow someone with beneficial power. So, again, it's from eulogy or eulogos, you meaning good, logos meaning word. So that is literally, once again, to speak a good word. When we are blessing somebody, we are endowing them with beneficial power, not in a bizarre New Age sense. That's not what I mean at all. But when you speak a blessing over somebody in the name of the true Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are reminding them of who they are in him and his power, and you're speaking a blessing over them in that way. So, again, this always is going to point back to God. It's not about our power or our this and that. It's about speaking words that will cause the Lord God to intervene in a person's life in a positive way in the case of blessing them. So to curse a person or an object or situation is the opposite. Again, from the original biblical text, Um, It means to put someone or something into the sphere of destructive power. The curse only stops affecting that person's life when it is either broken or runs out of power. I don't have the 
time <laughs> would be the, I guess, most concise way to say it, to go into what would cause it to run out of power. That's a whole different topic um, for, for another, another time. But um, there have been some uh, preachers with a high level of visibility uh, that have talked about having had some very strange uh, situations occur in their lives. And then when they've sought the Lord about these things, the Lord has shown maybe there was a curse that was placed upon them. He's shown different things because when you're serving God and especially on a large platform scale, you become an extremely easy target. It's very easy to criticize somebody who's in the public eye. It's very easy to criticize um, preachers that are trying to do the word of God and if they're doing it correctly, um, not, not speaking of ones that might be leading some of the sheep astray. I'm speaking of those who ground their ministry on the word of God, they become targets and people can accuse them and uh, curse them, so to speak. The enemy can plant things. Um, Wicca groups, which are basically witchcraft, can literally put a curse on someone. And so we need not be ignorant, and we should not be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. And so if you find a bunch of bizarre circumstances piling up, that could be just the afflictions, that could be just, you know, the things that we go through, the tribulations, the trials, the temptations. Um, it's the Greek word, parasmos, that means all three of those things, um, the things of this life. But if they're not um, receding or um, becoming less intense after a period of time, it's, a, it's wise to go to the Lord and, and ask him to show if anything has been, if a curse has been tempted uh, to be placed upon a situation or, or something in your life. So the other piece, though, we, this has to be balanced because my concern with this is, is that it would be very easy to take this concept and run with it and think that everything that goes wrong in your life is, is, is the product of a curse. <laughs> that is not the purpose of this program. It's just to make you aware of this concept but to keep it in balance and to keep it in a, in a way in which you're aware of it, but you're not focusing on it. You want to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, but yet be aware, be sober, vigilant, and alert, especially in this day and age, of what could be going on around you. As we stand up for Christ in this, this hour, um, we're probably going to face more uh, pushback, retaliation, possibly persecution than we than we may have thought possible. Other parts of the world face this on a day-to-day basis. In Western culture, it's not as frequent. And I think we need, we would be wise to prepare ourselves um, for what may be to come. Um, but that said, also, like I said, I don't want you to take this and run with it that everything bad that happens is a curse. Because Proverbs 26.2 also says, a curse without a cause shall not alight. So exegeting verses like that, if there is no chink in your armor, no open door for the enemy in a certain area, even if an attempted curse were to be put upon you, it would fall flat and it would fall to the side. So a curse without a cause will not alight. Um, 
we need to be aware, though, that sometimes, even though we are believers, that we are in the crosshairs of the enemy and we are targeted. We are targeted by groups that hold up Lucifer as their um, as their object of worship. So we want to be wise with this, and that's why I'm going to talk about the armor of God. Um, that uh, so we can stand strong in this hour. That if these things are being formed against us, we know that no weapon formed shall prosper. But how do we stand if a weapon is being formed? Because weapons will be formed; they just won't prosper, especially when we're living in a way that is honoring to God and um, and when we're protected by by His armor. So that's kind of a breakdown of blessings and curses. Um, Receiving a father's blessing was a very uh, important element of a, of a Jewish child's life. And they would do a ceremony over this. It was very important to receive the father's blessing. blessing. This goes all the way back to our, um, the Hall of Faith <laughs> fathers from Scripture all the way back to Abraham. So um, this concept is, is nothing new. Um, we all desire to be blessed. We all desire to hear a parent say um, that they that we have their blessing on something, for example. Um, and so these are concept, concepts that I'm just trying to introduce to you to get you to sort of start thinking about what these might mean in your own life and in your own situation. So when we speak, words go out of us, right? And they also, though, go back down into our own hearts. So when you're speaking out the word of God, and you're saying, Lord, I am standing on your promises because, Lord, your word says that you will never leave me or forsake me. When you're speaking out a promise like that, Scripture says faith comes by hearing, even when it's hearing ourselves speak our own words. So that's why it's so critical that we ask the Holy Spirit not only to bring the recollection, the promises of God in our hour of need so we can speak them out loud, but also to give us the power to bridle our tongue because words are powerful and we need to speak words that build up and edify, exhort, and in some cases admonish ourselves and one another. Um, Words are not to be used to tear down. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Shame is never from the Lord. Shame comes from the enemy. Are there consequences are there convictions absolutely absolutely and we need to pay pay close heed to that but the words that we're speaking during different seasons of our lives can really set the parameters and the pathway for how we go forward and what i mean by that is you're speaking over yourself a bunch of denigrating words I'm a failure. I'm never going to succeed. I'm always going to have this problem. I'm never going to, you know, all these things that we hear, if you continue to repeat those out loud, you will end up following um, down that very path that you're speaking for yourself. And this is also why it's so important what parents speak over their children. And um, I'll just give a quick example. We've all heard this example. A parent who says you're never going to amount to anything. And maybe they say it once or twice and it doesn't, it doesn't penetrate the child's heart. But if that's all they hear, or if they hear that more than they don't hear it growing up, in more cases than not, and in 25 years in this field as a Christian psychotherapist, that child will live up to or down to 
what their parent has spoken over them. So in a case of hearing, you're never going to amount to anything. More often than not, that child will live in such a way as to self-sabotage and because they don't feel they're deserving of anything good, they will live in a way that brings about those very words. So this, this is an example, just a brief example of how words can really set the course for how we go forward. And as we know, words are exposed thoughts and they come out of belief systems. So when we talk about changing your mind, we're also talking primarily about examining your belief systems. Because if you believe you won't amount to anything, you'll end up living that out as well. So it all goes back, as Scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What we believe has so much power. And when we put voice to those thoughts, and when we put words to those thoughts, there's a double reinforcement that occurs. And I'll get more into that as as time permits. Um, Moving forward, I want to talk a bit about the importance of expectations. Um, and I'm going to read, this, this comes from a, a devotional um, that was written in 2002 uh, from a man by the name of Bob Gass, G-A-S-S. And it is called, What I Have Dreaded Has Come Upon Me. And that is taken from the uh, book of Job, chapter 3, verse 25. And it is subtitled, What Are You Expecting? And I just want to read this brief uh, writing to you because it kind of sums up uh, some of the points that I was just making. One autumn, some Indians asked their new chief to predict whether the winter would be cold or mild. He didn't have a clue, so to be safe, he told them to collect lots of wood. Meanwhile, he called the National Weather Service. It'll definitely be cold, they said. So the chief told them to collect more wood. A week later, having again called the weather service, who confirmed their earlier forecast, he told them to gather even more wood. And two weeks later, he called the weather bureau again and asked, how are you so sure it will be a cold winter? And the weatherman replied, we know because the Indians are all collecting wood like crazy. So you can see how something like this can um, literally self-fulfill. It can fulfill itself because without knowing the truth, you're following after an action, and that, then that action produces a concept, and then that concept is believed by many people. And I think some of that we can see happening all over uh, what, we're, what we're facing in different areas of our world today. Um, So, on with this devotional reading. Satan wants to influence your future by getting you to expect the worst. In other words, he wants you to think about the worst case scenario. When you do, he'll provide you with the right circumstances, symptoms, and opinions. He'll even supply experts who'll confirm your worst fears. Think of a medical report. Oh, it could be this, it could be that. If you don't take hold of God's word and rise above, you'll end up like Job in terms of his lamenting, what I have dreaded has come upon me. So each time you speak doubt over your future, you're sowing seeds of negativity, 
you're shaping your outlook, you're influencing those around you, you're contradicting the God who said the plans I have for you are good, and we need to be careful there because it doesn't say the plans I have for you will always make you happy, and you are creating that self-fulfilling prophecy that I just spoke of. So if you put ice cream and milk in a blender, you get a milkshake. If you put dirt and water together, you get mud. What goes in comes out. So this is an admonishment here, an exhortation to stop the negative projections and turn them and say, Lord, I am trusting in your will and your word and that whatever I face, I know that you will give me the grace and that your grace will be sufficient for any and every situation that I find myself in. And if you look at some of the, um, you know, the saints of old and just the circumstances they lived in 100, 200 years ago, they had to trust in God for their next meal. They had to trust in God for everything. And yet they lived contented lives. Did they struggle? Absolutely. But they know they knew from whom their supply came. They knew who owned the cattle on a thousand hills. And they trusted in him. And so if we're constantly speaking out negative uh, statements, old, I'm broke. I'm never going to be able to afford that. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this. I don't, you know, I'm sure that this job won't last. I'm sure that, you know, some other, you know, horrific tragedy is going to befall us. That is not in accordance with how we're supposed to uh, exercise our faith. There's no faith in saying anything like that. The faith muscle is exercised when you use it, not when you do the opposite and speak out doubts and negativity. So just this this um, wanting to plant a seed tonight of helping you start to become aware of what you say and even backing up one, not, uh, one level from that, how you think. Because when you're thinking in a certain way, you're speaking that out. So in order to really change your mind and see a transformation in your life, you have to begin to take note of what you're speaking and what you're thinking about. So we will get into that further um, at the the next uh, teaching on this next month. Uh, one quick word on expectations. Unrealistic expectations are at the root of so many mental health issues, believe it or not, Um, because if they are not dealt with, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if you were expecting something to go in a certain direction or happen in a certain way and it did not, and if you don't address that, and if you don't address it fairly soon after it happens, there can be all sorts of roots that can spring up in your heart, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, and so forth. And from there, disappointment can turn into discouragement because we're disappointed when our expectations are are not met. So that disappointment can lead to discouragement. Discouragement means to lose heart. And discouragement can lead to depression, clinical or not, and depression can lead to despair. So the slippery slope can spiral a person down very quickly. Um, So try to ask the Holy Spirit spirit to help you catch um, any unmet expectations that you never were able to process and release because if you don't that step from disappointment to discouragement is a very quick step 
And then once you do that, you can put yourself in the enemy's territory very quickly. So it's a it's a good practice to sort of, and I know a lot of people are, are not thrilled with journaling, but uh, even briefly or in prayer, just asking the Lord to show you if you experience something that maybe it disappointed you and you didn't even know it. And maybe you're feeling down and you don't even know why. But you know what? The Lord searches the heart and he knows you more so much better than you know yourself so ask him in those moments why am i down you know david did this in psalms why are you downcast oh my soul why so disturbed within me so to to um process what you're feeling and then go to the lord and say lord help me figure out what what is this rooted in so that you can uproot that thing before it has a chance to affect your walk with christ um, okay, I'm going to wrap up tonight on talking about the full armor of God and stressing that we truly do not war against flesh and blood. Um, this is really key, especially where we're living now in terms of the biblical timeline and such and the day and the hour in which we find ourselves. It might feel that we're warring against flesh and blood, but understand that behind the figureheads and the political leaders and the different people that we see um, on television, on, on videos and so forth, there is a spirit behind an individual. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit. Um, when man has plans of destruction in mind, um, the spirit behind that is, is from the enemy's camp. And so when the Bible says we don't war against flesh and blood, we have to remember that the people we're seeing are not necessarily doing everything they're doing in their own flesh. They are oftentimes being heavily influenced by uh, demonic-based spirits. And this is straight from Scripture. This is not my opinion. This is what the word of God says. Um, Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this is a battle that we can't fight with natural tools or natural weapons. And I'll get into that very shortly here. Isaiah 54:17 also says, "No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Weapons can be formed, yes, but they will not prosper for us as God's children, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn." That's a very powerful verse um, to keep in mind when you feel that you are unjustly and being unfairly attacked. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. That means it will not grow. It will not bear uh, fruit, lasting fruit of any kind. Exodus 14.14, the battle belongs to the Lord and you need only to be still is a paraphrase of that verse. So back to we do not war against uh, flesh and blood. A person's tongue, if used against you, can be a weapon that the enemy can use to try to bring destruction to your life. 
the enemy might put thoughts in your head about people because he wants you to use your mouth to try to bring destruction to those people. So he lies. He's the father of lies. He can put wrong thoughts in your head about others, hoping that you will verbalize them and speak out against them, gossip about them, tear them down, shred them, and then your words become weapons that the devil can use to try to harm people or ministries and bring them down. So be very careful about this. Um, The Lord has so much to say in his word about how we use our tongue and what we speak about others, both good and evil. So as believers, we have weapons as well. And these are the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal. They are spiritual. And I'm going to read uh, for you in closing here tonight from Ephesians 6 about putting on the full armor of God. And this is not legalism. A lot of people, when I have done speaking and so forth on this, will say, well, isn't it legalistic that you're asking us to pray on this armor every day? And my response to that is, would you, in the natural realm, go onto a battlefield with no weapons, with just a T-shirt and jeans and, and nothing to, you know, protect yourself from uh, weapons that might assail you or, or, or no sword to have an offensive way to fight back. Nobody would, would do that. Most people would not do that if they're in their right mind. And so it's the same, I view it in the same way. Um, just as we get physically dressed in the morning before we go out into the world, we need to get spiritually dressed in the morning before we go out and live our day because we are in a spiritual battle whether we want to be in one or not. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Our body is our tent, it's our vessel, but it will one day not be with us when our spirit and soul go to be with the Lord. So the battles that we fight uh, are not always just uh, an argument with another human being. We are fighting uh, not just flesh and blood, but um, everything that I just stated in terms of principality, spiritual forces. So we need to know how to do that um, with, uh, with a, a conviction and with a consistency um, that is meaningful, not out of legalism, but out of wisdom. So the word of God becomes our offensive weapon when we read it, pray it, believe it, speak it out, and meditate on it. And we have to use our weapons in order to have victory, not just know about them. You might say, oh, I know Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. Well, that's great if you know about it. That's step one. But if you don't apply it, it's not going to do you much good. So I'm just going to read here, um, starting, so Ephesians 6, starting from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. 
having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace or good news. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then he goes on to say, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So this is a very crucial passage of scripture that I think um, we would do well to heed right now each day. Um, and just add in our, our daily prayer time so that we are not only protected in the ways that we need to be, but also that we are reminded to be reading our one offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, also known as the word of God, the Bible, to stay in the word so that we can, as Jesus did say, it is written. And that is our offensive weapon. So at this point, I will uh, wrap up and we will resume this teaching um, in November where we left off tonight. And I want to thank you for joining me tonight. Um, Appreciate all who are listening um, all through the different parts of the world. And I hope you'll join me again in November for part two of this broadcast. And if you would like to contact me directly at Healing Word, which is my private practice, feel free to call 414-254-9862 or visit my website at www.healing-word.com. I'd like to close us now in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for all who are listening tonight. Lord, I pray that this word reaches them and ministers to them in the exact way that you would choose it to do so, Lord. I pray that it would bear good fruit, solid fruit in their lives going forward as they take the concepts that we've discussed here this evening and uh, begin to apply them in their daily lives, Lord God. I pray for encouragement. I pray for those who who are listening who may be downcast, um, disappointed, discouraged, Um, living from a spirit of dread or fear, Lord God, that they would turn their eyes upon you. Lord, as we look to you, the things of earth grow strangely dim, Lord, because we're focusing on you as our Father God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, Lord. We thank you that nothing that's going on in the world right now takes you by surprise. Thank you, Lord, that you have gone ahead for each of us and made provision for each one of our needs, Lord God. We trust you and we put all of our hope in you, Father God. Help us as we apply this teaching tonight, Lord. Help us to be mindful of our words and help us to be mindful of the impact that those words can have on others and also on ourselves, Lord. And help us also to be mindful of how we think about things, Lord God, how we frame things. The thoughts that are based on false beliefs versus our thoughts that are based on your words of truth, God. We thank you, Lord, that um, you are at work in each person. I pray for a special blessing to be upon each one. We thank you, God, for this opportunity and this privilege this evening to be able to share your words of truth. And we just ask for uh, health, Lord God. We ask for protection and for your peace to be upon each one listening. We ask all these things. 
in your glorious and holy name. Amen. So thank you once again so very much, and God's richest blessings be upon you.